Good morning, Living Loved. This morning we're going to be going through Matthew 20, talking about the upside-down kingdom. Join me today. We're going to give a couple seconds here for people to hop on the live. We put Matthew 20 here in the comments. Hello, good morning. Morning, everybody. Thanks for hopping on right away this morning. Hope you had a great Sunday. I love God and you. Thank you very much. Morning, Anthony. Morning, Silent Fox. Morning, Jenny. Good to see everybody. Good morning, Mer Victor. I wish more people would put their real name, Caleb, in their username. Then I can actually see what people's names are instead of random gibberish. Man, I've been struggling with temptation. Any suggestions? Starve it. Whatever's causing you into te that temptation, starve it. And then feed yourself with the word. If you're in the presence of God, you can't be found by the enemy. So keep yourself in his presence at all times. <laughs> Kevin, yes, that is your real name. Good job. How's your day going so far? Pretty good. Had some good prayer time with the Lord. Went for a little drive. Good morning, everybody. Alright, we're going to be going through Matthew 20 today, talking about the upside-down kingdom. And we're going to figure out what that means when I say upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of earth, right? The way that the world runs is different than the kingdom of God. And we're going to see examples of that throughout Matthew 20. There's this kind of reoccurring theme that the way that things think things should work on earth and oftentimes how they do work on earth is not the same as how they work in the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to see that especially in Matthew 20 and then we're going to look at a couple different instances of the upside down kingdom and some different verses just to kind of re-emphasize this theme. Just because you can't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. God will always be there. Don't let the devil convince you otherwise. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get started with Matthew 20 this morning. We're going to read through it. We're going to see what the Word has to say. Whatever the Spirit speaks, it's going to change lives, right? When we read the Word, it never comes back empty. So there's something in Matthew 20 for you today. There's something in here for you today. So let's go through it. Matthew 20, verse 1. All right. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went out to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. 
When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be, be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. All right, so that's our first parable that Jesus speaks in Matthew 20. And this parable is one of this man who owns land, a vineyard, right? A farm, you might say. And he goes into town and he sees these people who don't have a job. And he hires them at 9 o'clock in the morning. He does the same at 3. And he does the same at noon. And then even at 5 at night, he hires these people for just an hour. Or just a couple hours because evening is coming. And at evening he calls all the workers in to get paid. Starts with those who started at 5 o'clock, pays them a day's wage, even though they've only been working for an hour. And then he goes through and he pays everybody the same, even though they've been working for different times. And the people at the end who had started in the morning said, Hey, wait, shouldn't we receive more than those who joined after us, who haven't been working all day? And yet the owner says, We agreed to what I would pay you, a day's wage, and this is what I am paying you. Am I wrong in paying you what we have agreed? Right? So what's the point of this parable? What is Jesus trying to say, right? Well, verse 16 is what he's getting at. He says, So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. So this, is, this parable is about salvation, right? Okay, I'm going to read this note here. This parable is not about rewards, but about salvation. It is a strong teaching about grace, God's generosity, right? We see that this, this landowner is generous to even those who come later in life or later, like they don't do as much work. They all receive that same reward, right? So we shouldn't begrudge those who turn to God in the last moments of life because in reality, no one deserves eternal life, right? We, none of us deserve eternal life and so whenever we receive it or whenever we see others receive it we should be glad we should be rejoicing with them not mad because they haven't been serving God as long as we have or they're not at the same level as us right we are all in this together we all receive that same reward of salvation many people we don't expect to see in the kingdom will be there the criminal who repented as he was dying will be there along with people who have believed and served God for many years do you resent God's gracious acceptance of the despised, the outcasts, and the sinners who have turned to him in forgiveness? Have you ever been jealous of what God has given to another person? Instead, focus on God's gracious benefits to you and be thankful for what you have. Alright? So, no matter what, where people come from, no matter what their background is, no matter what sin has been in their life, when they receive Jesus, right? My friend Cade likes to say, the, the ground at the level of the cross, right? The, the bottom of the cross, the ground there is level, right? Everybody has to come before the cross of Christ and realize that they need that salvation, that they need to accept Jesus and make him Lord of their life. But everybody has to come to that point, no matter how long you've been living a Christian life, we always come back to that same point, right? We've always received 
that same grace, that same mercy, and it's for everybody. I saw a different note in my other Bibles here says, um, verse 16 can also be said like this, right? Verse 16 says, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For many be called, but few chosen. And then a different way of saying that is, He that humbleth himself, so he that humbles himself shall be exalted, and he that exalts himself shall be humbled. So he's saying here, if you're going to try to lift yourself up before others and say that you deserve more than others because you've done this, X, Y, or Z, if you try to lift yourself up, you're going to be humbled. But if you will humble yourself, if you'll say, hey, I would love to serve, I'm I'm going to volunteer voluntarily do things, right? I'm going to push and help the kingdom of God grow. And it's not about me. It's about building the kingdom. It's about building others up, right? If you humble yourself before others, God sees that, right? He's not blind to your, your good works, right? He wants to exalt you, but you have to stay humble. You have to stay low, <laughs> low, slow, and humble, right? Right? So don't build yourself up. Don't try to build yourself up. Don't make it about you. Make it about others. Make it about God, right? What is the first greatest and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love others as you love yourself. So we need to love others just as much as we want to love ourselves. We need to serve others as much as we serve ourselves, right? We need to be in that place. All right. So that's the first 16 verses of Matthew 20. Let's keep going here. So here we see in this next this next part, well, we're going to get through to that at verse 20, but we have three verses here of Jesus predicting his death the third time, right? So we've been going through the last couple chapters here, and Jesus has continually been predicting his death, right? We see it in Matthew 17. He predicts it the second time. So he's making it obvious to his disciples, hey, this is coming. And yet they still aren't understanding what's happening, right? So if we go to Matthew 20, verse 17, this is Jesus predicting his death the third time. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Okay, so we have Jesus, right? He's getting closer to his persecution and his death and then his resurrection as well. He's getting closer, right? And Jesus, is he knows what has to happen, obviously, right? Because he's saying, that he's going to be handed over to the Romans by the Jewish religious leaders. They're going to be mo- he's going to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. But on the third day, he will raise from the dead. Right. So he's making it obvious to these disciples. He's preparing them. And yet we see, when Jesus gets to that point, they are so distraught. They are so worried. And yet Jesus has told them, "I'm going to rise from the dead." Right. But it's getting closer, right? It's the third time he's predicted it. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem is where Jesus is betrayed, arrested, crucified, but then raises from the dead. So we're getting close to Jesus' death, right? We're getting there. 
And Jesus is, is preparing his disciples for this. All right, let's keep going. Verse 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, so the mother of two of Jesus' disciples, came to Jesus with her sons. And she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared places for the ones he has chosen. All right. Let's finish it out. Verse 24, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant, so they were mad. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what's going on here? We're seeing that the disciples still don't really understand why Jesus came, right? Because when the Jewish people thought of the Messiah, they thought of the one that would save them from their oppression, from their physical oppression from the Roman government that was over them, right? So they were thinking that somebody would be sent to save them out of their oppression, right? Because they were under Roman rule, right? They weren't free. They weren't a free nation on their own. But Jesus did not come to do that. He came to free them from their sin, from their spiritual oppression, not their physical oppression. And so we see that the mother of James and John comes before Jesus and asks that her two sons would be right next to Jesus in the kingdom, right? And she's thinking earthly kingdom. She's like, when you set up your kingdom, when you're a king here in Israel, will you set James and John next to you? And Jesus answers, you don't know what you are asking, right? Because if she knew the kingdom that she was really asking about, that Jesus really came to fulfill, she probably wouldn't ask because then he says, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? And Jesus knows, right? He has just made it clear to the disciples that he's about to go to Jerusalem and he's going to go through persecution. He's going to be whipped, arrested, made fun of, and then die, be crucified. The worst death imaginable. And he asks, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you willing to go through the same death with me? Are you willing to lay down your life as I'm about to lay down mine? And they reply, oh yes, we are able, right? They are quick to jump at the gun and say, oh yes, we, we're willing and able to do anything, but they don't understand what they're signing up for, right? Because Jesus is calling them to follow him even after his death to do the same things he has done, and to be persecuted just the same way. Right? They're going to be hated because of him, because they proclaim his name. And Jesus says back, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup. 
You will indeed experience these things, same things that I'm about to experience. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left, for my Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. So even Jesus doesn't know in the kingdom of heaven that he's talking about, right? Not the kingdom of earth, but on the kingdom of heaven, he doesn't, he doesn't say who's going to sit on his right or left, right? Who's going to be close and near to him? Who's going to be the rulers, right? And reality is, there's not really a first place or a second place in the kingdom of heaven, right? Because it said earlier, we talked about earlier in the parable of the vineyard workers, that we all have to come to that same place of grace. We all need that same salvation, right? And we do, we do good works, right? It says, faith without works is dead in James, right? So we all come to that first, first ground at the cross, right? We all come before the Lord needing salvation no matter what sin we've done no matter how long we've lived without jesus we all need that same grace that same free gift of grace by faith we receive it right and jesus is saying it's not easy right it's not what you think it is but if you will if you will drink from this same cup of suffering if you will Right, eventually the disciples will understand what Jesus came to do. And they do go out, right? Each of the disciples, after Jesus was resurrected and ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit fills them and they go out and do the same things that Jesus did. Right? They proclaim the name of Jesus. They proclaim salvation by Jesus' name. Right? And they are ambassadors for Christ and the nations. And the people still hate Jesus, right? They still hate the name of Jesus, and that's what they're doing. They're proclaiming. And all of the disciples will eventually go through persecution. Many will be martyred, right? Peter gets crucified, and he doesn't want to be crucified like Christ, so he says he wants to be crucified upside down, and they crucify him upside down, right? So the same suffering that came to Jesus came to his disciples, and yet they don't understand that they're entering into that kingdom of heaven, right? Of spiritual of a, a spiritual kingdom instead of this physical kingdom that they thought. And then Jesus finishes because these 10 other disciples hear what James and John are trying to get first and second place in the kingdom. Well, we want to be in the first place. Like what, what are they? They're all getting mad at each other. Cause they, they all want to be first. And then Jesus says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, right? Rulers in this world, they like to, proclaim their authority right they make it known to others that they are above others but jesus says among you it will be different so among us it needs to be different whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave so if you want to be a leader you must be a servant and if you want to be the first you must be the slave right you must be willing to be used by god and even let others use you, right? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. Even Jesus came not to be served. He didn't come to build up this earthly kingdom, but he came to serve. He came to die. He came to give up his life. He came to become a slave. Jesus was the highest king in heaven before he came, and yet he came as a humble servant, a slave. 
and he lived his life to die for us. Jesus is the ultimate example of what true love is. Came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life, to give his life away as a ransom for many to come to him. That's who Jesus is. That's what it means to be a servant leader. All right, we're going to finish Matthew 20 out real quick, and then we're going to hit some different verses just to reemphasize the point of the upside-down kingdom, that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Those who make themselves first in this life will be last, and those who make themselves last in this life, who serve others in this life, who serve God in this life, will be first in the kingdom of heaven. But first, to finish out, we get the story of two blind beggars. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, but they only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. And Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see you. Then they followed him. So we just finish out Matthew 20 with the story of the blind beggars. And isn't it crazy how two blind men on the side of the road can't even see, but they know and understand that Jesus is Lord, Son of David. That Jesus is the Son of David. Right? He is the the king, the earthly the heavenly king that comes from the earthly line of David. Right? Because David was this high king in the time of, of Israel and Judah. And it was promised to David that the Messiah would come from his line. And all these years later Jesus is born, right, from Bethlehem, the same place that David was born. And so he's the descendant of David. But even more than that, he's the king of heaven. And yet these two blind men on the side of a road somehow know, they understand more than those who can see and follow him, that he is the son of David, that he is the Messiah, the sent one, the, the anointed one, the son of God, and the son of David. And they ask, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus heard them and stopped and called what do you want me to do for you and they say we want to see and jesus feels sorry for them and touched their eyes and instantly they could see then they followed him Hmm. what has jesus done for you has jesus opened your eyes in any way maybe not your physical eyes but your spiritual eyes has he done something for you, right? If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you know he's given you eternal life. But these men do more, right? Because their eyes are opened. The Lord opens their eyes, but what do they do? They follow him. Have you accepted Jesus' call to follow him? To truly go where he goes? And to live the same life, right? Have you accepted that call to be the last not to make yourself the first but to be the last to serve others and to serve God right because these blind men 
knew even better than some of the people who could see Jesus that he was the Son of God. And when they were healed, when they were opened up of their, of their eyes, right? They had physical eyes that need to be opened, but we have spiritual eyes that get opened, right? We start to see spiritual things, right? We see the Word as a spiritual book. It's not just a story. It's salvation. It's a living and alive Word. Have you chosen to follow Jesus for what He's done for you? Maybe He hasn't opened your eyes physically, but maybe spiritually He has just begun to open your eyes. So I encourage you today to continue to follow Him. And He's going to do even more. Right? But you have to humble yourself. So we're, we're going to go through a couple more examples of the upside down kingdom here. I just want to re-emphasize that the kingdom of heaven is not the same as the kingdom of earth, right? So first one is 1 Corinthians 1, 27. We're just going to hit a couple other verses here and re-emphasize that the kingdom we are striving to live in, right? The, the eternity that we are looking forward to is not the same as this earth. So we need to be different than this world, right? We need to be and look and act differently than this world. If we are looking exactly the same as this world, then we're probably doing something wrong. Because Jesus did not look like this world. He was the king, the Messiah, the one that everybody was waiting for. And yet nobody saw him because they had this wrong expectation of who he was. And so we need to be different just like Jesus was different. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, Instead God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing that the world, what the world considers important. So God chose the things in the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. So God chooses things that seem foolish to the world for salvation, right? It would seem foolish that a king would have to die to save his people. And yet that's what Jesus did, right? And then it says, he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful, right? So God doesn't operate like man, right? He, his ways are higher. He knows what we truly need, what's really going to change our lives. All right, let's look at Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. I know we've touched on this one before, but it's so good. Though he was God... Right, This is talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right? 
though Jesus was the Son of God, right? He is the third person of God. He is the Word of God. He is the great I Am. He was and is and is to come forevermore. He is God. Jesus was God, the Son of God and the Son of Man. But he only came as the Son of Man because he accepted the Father's call, right? What did he do? He did not think of equality with the Father as something to cling to it, as equality with God, right? He did not consider his position as God himself as something to be clung to, as something to cling to. If anybody is going to receive praise and honor and glory, it's going to be God. And yet Jesus himself, God himself, humbled himself, did not cling to that, gave up his divine privileges, his divine rights, his divine authority. He gave it up to become a slave of humans. The ones he had created, he came to become a slave of those he created and was born just like they would be, born as a human being, and he appeared in human form. And he humbled himself in obedience to God while he walked this earth and died a criminal's death on a cross. What happens because of that, right? That's the next verses, 9 through 11. Therefore, because Jesus did these things, right? And we can do this same thing on earth, right? We're not God. We're not God. We're not born Right? We, we weren't in heaven and didn't come back down to earth, but we are little Christ-like ones. We are to be Christ's ambassadors. We are to be like Christ on this earth. And so what, do, what can we do? We can also humble ourselves. We don't think of ourselves, though we have gained righteousness and um, forgiveness from Christ, though we have been made new, though we are a new creation, we don't consider as that to, to rule and lord over people and say, Oh, Jesus loves me. Blah, blah, blah which he does, and that's good to know. But that's not something that you just proclaim over other people like like they're below you. No, you humble yourself so that more can be brought in, right? More people can understand that, well, they're not like the world. They humble themselves. They're willing to do things that others aren't, right? They love Jesus. They love others more than they love themselves. They're not worried about their own needs. They're more worried about serving God and serving others. We need to give up whatever privileges we think we, we have. We need to become a slave. We need to be obedient to God. That's a big one. Humble ourselves in obedience to God. And wherever the Lord leads, continue to obey, right? We're promised persecution, right? We're promised to be hated by the world because we follow Christ, right? That doesn't mean that this life is going to suck, right? Because we have the joy of the Lord as our strength, right? We have so much more than this world can offer. Right? So much more than this world can offer. We are looking forward to something that the world cannot give. The world cannot give you eternal life. It only leads to death and destruction. No matter how high you can go on this earth, it'll never be as high as you can get in heaven, right? Heaven is much greater than the, even the highest place on earth, right? You could be the richest person on earth, but if you're not going to heaven, you've lost. You've truly lost. What good is it for a man to lose his soul, yet gain the world, right? That's what Jesus says. It is better to have your soul in heaven and, and be a servant on this earth than to gain the whole world, than to be ruler of the whole world and lose your soul. Lose who you are, not come to God, not be saved. One more example, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. 
of the upside down kingdom. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, then we'll pray and we'll be on our way this morning. Good morning, Isaiah. Good morning, Ava. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Tony and Ethan. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says this, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. By the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, though he was God, yet for your sakes he became poor, he became human, so that his poverty, so that what he did could make you rich, so that we could also gain heaven, right? Praise God, praise Jesus for that. He is so good, so generous, his generous grace. That is the upside down kingdom. So it's not our purpose in life to build ourselves up, to make ourselves look better than others and say, oh, I'm better. You know, I got Jesus. No, we need to act like Jesus here on this earth. What did Jesus do to his disciples? He washed their feet. He was their leader. He was the one they were following. He was their teacher. And yet he washed their feet. Right? That's servant leadership, right? If you're going to be a true leader on this earth, you need to be willing to serve all that you are going to, going to lead. All right. So that's Matthew 20 this morning, guys. Hopefully we all got something from that. I know I did. I did. Um, God did humble himself. All right. Let's, let's finish out this morning with some prayer. Join me in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize that you are Lord, that you are God and we are not God, that you are so much higher, that you know and are so much more wise than we are, Lord, that your ways are better than our own ways, that you chose the foolish things of this world to make us wise, Lord, that you have an upside down kingdom and yet your kingdom is a better way. Right? There's nothing in this world, Lord, that can satisfy us more than your love, more than your grace and your mercy and your kindness. So, Father, we come before you this morning and we humble ourselves. We say, Jesus, you are Lord of our life. We want to obey you. We want to be like you. We want to look like you here on earth so that others can see the love of Christ shining through us and out of us. So, Lord, we ask this morning that you would make us humble before you and before others that you would give us humble hearts and obedient hearts to your word to your call that we would know that there's nothing in this life that can separate us from your love and that we have so much to look forward to lord that we would not worry about the things of this world whatever comes our way lord we would say god is still good and it is not god that that brings these things upon our life for he has only come to give us life and life to the full. Lord, we honor you and we praise you and we lift you up this morning because we know that you are greater, that you are stronger than the things of this world, Lord. So we place our trust and our faith in you, God. And we just ask that you would show us more and more of you. 
Lord, I pray that your presence would be with these people this morning, everybody on the live, everyone who watches this video afterwards, Lord, that your presence would be known by them, God, that they would humble themselves before you, that they would spend good time with you, God, to praise you, to worship you, and to just listen to your word, listen to your voice, to welcome your spirit in. So we thank you, Lord. We'll never thank you enough. We have just begun to see the goodness of God, and yet it keeps coming. It keeps showing himself. So we thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining this morning. If there's any chapters of the Bible that you guys are looking for. We are at the 20th chapter of Matthew we're going through. We've started, I'm not sure exactly where we started. I think we started in first or second Peter. And so we've gone all the way through the first three chapters of Revelation. Started back in Matthew. So if you're looking for more, they're on our IGTV. We'll be live at two today. I believe Steve is going to be on at 2 p.m. this afternoon. So hop on for that. It's going to be good. Um, yeah. We love you guys. We love growing with you guys. Keep hopping on. Keep telling others. Tell your friends about us, right? If you have friends who need to know Jesus or who know Jesus yet are looking for help, share us, right? We want to grow together. We want to grow together. We want the Spirit of the Lord to be grown in this generation, right? The Lord is doing amazing things. Though though the, the earth, that the world looks darker, that things are getting darker, though it may seem that the world is crashing in, we know that our God is stronger. And that he has a higher way, that he is also working, that he is moving strong in our generation and in every generation. The one that's coming, the one that came before, the Lord is doing amazing things. So keep looking to him. Praise the Lord. All right, we'll see you guys later. We love you. Have a great day.